Hey, Jailbirds! Welcome back to Jailbird Chronicles. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany, and we're two forensic social workers getting chatty about criminal justice. Jailbird Chronicles. We're back, Jailbirds! Hello, everyone. We uh, took a little bit of a break. Yes, we hope that everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. But we're back to give you your weekly dose of jailbird shenanigans. Ah, yes, at their finest. Of course, of course. So, last episode, we talked about the challenges that civilian staff face in correctional facilities. And when we were discussing that, we briefly touched on some consequences that can be used um, in response to the behaviors that, you know, we are subject to. I like the word behaviors. Nice choice. Good touch. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to stay. um, I have to give, you know, a balance because I still kind of throw the word inmate in there. So I I have to be politically correct in other ways. (laughs) Makes sense. I'm going down. So um, some of the consequences that we see, I mean, when someone who is incarcerated does something like assault in any way against another incarcerated person or against the staff or an officer or has contraband, um, there are consequences in place that are becoming a little more and more scarce. It's kind of like the officers um, and the administration are kind of grasping at straws trying to figure out how they can give a person consequences when there's a lot of advocacy that's kind of blocking um you know the repercussions for what someone what happens when someone does something wrong right and like there's so many ways I mean you mentioned staff but like assaults and assaults on each other but like assaults on staff consist of anything from physical sexual to extremely verbal and I say extremely verbal because like part of my French but like if a guy calls me a bitch I'm like all right sure whatever I'm a bitch today but when a guy tells me that he's willing to catch 25 to life for my body different story totally different story (laughs) so when when something happens, um, a person who's incarcerated gets written up, in my experience, they're entitled to have a hearing um, to be able to have their attorney represent them or if they want to represent themselves in the hearing to meet with the disciplinary board and you know, give their side of the story. Um, that's what happens in the DC jail. 
in Rikers, what what is the process now? Um, so it's changed a bit, obviously, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there was a time frame that you could be served a ticket within. Time frame, I want to say, was 72 hours. It was mm-hmm. kind of like null and void. Um, but you got served a ticket. You had to go down to, you know, our internal court system. And I believe you could have someone else. Like, you could have some kind of representation, but I feel like our whole process, it wasn't that it was, like, hush-hush necessarily, but, like, I feel like I only ever found out what happened, like, after it happened. Like, I never found out, like, what the process was actually like until a patient, like, went and then were either found guilty or not guilty. Um, in, in the D.C. jail... They did have, I believe they had seven days um, to be seen by the disciplinary committee once um, once they had been written up. And then um, the disciplinary committee determines whether they're guilty or not guilty. If they're guilty, they'll, they could face um, different consequences such as um you know loss of the privilege to purchase commissary loss of the privilege to use the phone or um be placed in um you know solitary confinement depending on what the severity of what they did is but on Riker's I know that you talked about um, the fines in last episode, but um, weren't people sometimes getting days added to their sentence when we worked in the sentence jail? Did that happen or did I I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. So it's really interesting because from my understanding, there's not those same exact or similar consequences Mm-hmm. there it's more like you either get box days which is also another word for solitary confinement you could if you're employed and you're working you could lose your job and you're gonna well you used to get $25 taken out of your account that they have now since taken away but there really wasn't that extensive list of um consequences mm-hmm. however the way at least city sentences work um, in New York City is if you get sentenced to a city bullet, which is a city year, you serve three-fourths of that sentence. So you only serve eight months. Mm-hmm. However, so they automatically calculate what you would consider like quote-unquote good time into the, your sentence from the jump. And if you catch a ticket and it's that severe, they can push your release date back because you've now ruined your good time. So I always explain it to guys that guys are like, well, why can't I get good time? Well, good time is already calculated into your sentence. And so for people who don't know, good time is considered a time where you were considered a model inmate. Um, and that time automatically gets calculated in for our city sentence population. And the only thing to screw it up is you. Like you have to mess it up and catch a ticket and lose days. But other than that, your good time's automatically calculated in. And you know what? 
adding days to a sentence based on severe behaviors, severely disruptive behaviors. Um, I, I am not opposed to that because I feel like on one hand, if you can get credit for good, for good behavior, then there should be consequences of getting days added for bad behavior. I agree. And that's kind of why, like, I think with the, I'm not sure 100% how the state prison system works with it, mm-hmm. but I always kind of loved the fact because it really did prevent a lot of things from happening. So like, I always explain to guys from the jump, if they ask questions, like the only person part of my friends that can like fuck up your time is you. And so I always kind of was straightforward with them where it's like, no, you're not going to get any time off. But you can only add time. And, like, that's up to you to make that decision. So it put the onus on my patients about whether or not they were willing to mess that up and take that risk to do something. And I think I, I liked the fact that it put the onus back on them because if anyone's a social worker that's listening to this, a lot of the times, especially with, like, CBT, we kind of question everything and try to put the onus back on the person. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just there as a sounding board. I'm not there to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that idea of putting the onus back on the patient. Well, I think that it's important to really put into perspective that Everyone needs consequences, even if you're not in jail. I mean, consequences to certain actions is going to jail. So when you're inside jail, why should you not see consequences? Even just growing, growing up as a child, losing privileges because you behaved poorly or you did something that was against the rules, losing privileges, having to go into timeout for some people. Um, and then, you know, if you're already in trouble and you do something to get in trouble again, having days added to your loss of privileges or being grounded or whatever it is, it that's how we how parents really try to shape the behavior of their children. And as adults, if you're behaving in ways and taking certain actions that are against the laws, then jail is the consequence. So I'm just not really understanding why take away consequences once you are in jail when it's perfectly acceptable to give people consequences when they're outside of jail. Right. And so like the issue we seem to be facing a lot now is that there are no consequences Mm -hmm. and yes, we still do have solitary confinement. um, But we've put restrictions on that, which I'm a hundred percent for some of the restrictions we put on that with, you know, time limits and things of that nature. I like those. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also now put 
medical conditions under these reasons why you cannot go to solitary confinement. And as much as I agree with those, no one's ever given us a different consequence. So something like asthma, which Brittany, I don't know if you've seen, especially in low income African-American families is a very, very big medical condition. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of my patients have that and they need an inhaler. And so that will automatically exempt them from solitary confinement, which I get, but I, we need something else. Like I was working on Rikers when they took away solitary confinement for the young adults I think it was up to 2018 or 21. I forget which one exactly. And I understood why they did it, but they did not input another consequence. So I had patients pulling their private parts out on me and masturbating to me repeatedly because they they knew that there was nothing that could be done to them. I think because... Um... Solitary confinement is like, it's an extreme and more so when I was with, when I was on Rikers, I saw it as kind of a last resort after they've tried other things, but there, there has to be little things that can be done to deter people from escalating their behaviors and having more consequences put on them and consequences are necessary. They're a part of life. And when you get out of jail or prison and you reintegrate into society, you're going to have consequences for your actions. People are going to hold you accountable. There's another thing that I saw. I mean, it happens in Rikers too. It happens everywhere, but I remember I was working with one of the individuals who was incarcerated at the D.C. jail. Um, He was there because he had been convicted of murder. He spent, I think, I think over two decades of his sentence and he was trying to um, get released under the revised IRA. And, okay, you have been incarcerated for first-degree murder, but while you were in jail, you got arrested. Yeah. Like, and I'm sitting there like, how do you get fired on your day off? Like, how are you getting arrested while you're still in jail? Yeah, it's it's something that happens more depending on the severity of assaults, usually it's usually you're for us, you're usually getting rearrested for an assault on staff, like a physical or sexual assault on staff. Brittany, you know, of the specific patient that I'm talking about, he knew that he had spent his maximum number of days in solitary confinement. And he knew that even if he caught more box days, which is another name, Again, for solitary confinement. Brittany, before we finish this, should we just talk about all the names for solitary? Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, solitary confinement has 
all different names. And one thing that I will say about DOC, not only in New York, because um, Benny Bosco, the COBA president in New York, said this, and they, the administration in D.C. tries to say this also, we don't have solitary confinement, which technically isn't a lie because you can say we don't have solitary confinement because we don't call it solitary confinement. But the concept of what you have is solitary confinement, whether you call it the bing, the box, punitive segregation, the hole, the shoe. Yeah. Regardless of what name you slap on it. It meets the definition of what we mean when we say solitary confinement. Correct. The only form of quote unquote solitary confinement that's not solitary confinement on Rikers is for our severely mentally ill patients. Mm -hmm. And that is what we call CAPS. Do not ask me what the acronym stands for. I do not remember. However, CAPS um, is more like a behavioral program. So you, um, like, earn, you work your way up towards certain steps. You're not, it's almost like a behavior plan, if you will. But that's the only time that it's, like, solitary, but not solitary. Well, solitary confinement, just in its regular form, um... I've found in my experience, um, working with people on Rikers and working with people in the D.C. jail, um, that people with really disruptive and dangerous behaviors are rarely phased by it. Oh, 100%. Like, to the point where it's ineffective, not because of all the reasons why people think it's ineffective, but it's ineffective because it's like a joke. If your behavior is so off the wall, that's not going to deter you from continuing to act like an ass. Oh, 100%. I knew guys that like knew that. Like the guy I was talking about before naming them, he knew that he would catch more boxes. He didn't care. Because he knew that he couldn't serve any more of them because of the restrictions put on, which I I like. But he was like, he did whatever he wanted. And if he knew he was going to get more boxes, he didn't care. I remember when um, that whole thing happened at Rikers last year, which I touched on in a previous episode. um, When the people incarcerated at the jail that you were working at were assaulting staff Mm -hmm. and it was just really bad. It was a really (laughs) bad situation. It was, and I posted something on Instagram talking about how, well, I was talking about that, but in there I mentioned something about solitary confinement and how, I've had patients who come back from solitary confinement laughing because it's a joke to them. And I got so much scrutiny about it. People telling me, oh, maybe they're just showing off for other people. 
Um, so you, you know, telling me that I think solitary confinement's a good thing. No, I'm not saying that. I actually didn't share my opinion on the subject at all. I was just expressing something that I observed. In a lot of situations, it's ineffective because, you know, there's many people incarcerated that it's ineffective for, but one person in particular was one of my patients that I called him and two other patients, my three B's. Ah, uh, yeah. Those and yes. his behavior was just off the wall. And he thought that everything he did was a joke. It was yeah. like entertainment to him. He was always kicking up every single day. Majority of the alarms that happened in that facility, I could guarantee you was either him or the other two Bs. And the reason why I'm calling them the three Bs is because all their names begin with a B. I'm not trying to say something else about them. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he even held a clinician hostage in her cubicle and the next day when I met with him I said um what what was that all about yesterday and he said what I said um what happened in the clinic and he starts cracking up and he's like oh that <laughs> yeah yeah he, he he doesn't care he he came back from being in solitary confinement and I went to go see him and I said, oh, did you enjoy your vacation? And he just started cracking up and he was like, you look like you were on vacation. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, people like this, putting them in solitary confinement, it, it's, it's, it's going to be totally ineffective because they don't care. And when people's behavior is so extreme that that's not going to deter them. They know how to play the system and they play it well. And they can go in and out of solitary confinement and it's just not going to phase them. Right. And so I'll kind of piggyback off of that. I've worked solitary very few times, but I 100% have worked solitary. Um, And it like if you don't have some kind of like backbone it's human torture so i a very 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 close friend who was assigned specifically to solitary and she was amazing at her job but the truth of the matter was was like i will stand by the fact that the fact that she had to work day and had to be verbally assaulted and sexually assaulted on like a daily basis it broke her mentally at one point and like I mean she's doing great but she's officially left the job because of it and like the guys that were in there you're right some of them really just like the repeat offenders just did not care And it was so sad to see because when there was a guy that would come in that would either, you know, either start to decompensate and like you'd all of a sudden notice something or start to get these symptoms of psychosis that we sometimes see and are proven to happen, they would say something and they would try to catch it. 
But there were 100% a lot of guys that just didn't care at all. And it's unfortunate. I think that in general, whether you're in jail or you're not in jail, you're just in society. Um, Consequences are not cookie cutter and what works for one person may not work for another. Like one person might be like, oh my God, I have to do everything that I can to stay out of solitary confinement. Like that is pure torture to me. Another person might be like, um, me grabbing this CO's ass is definitely worth the stay in solitary confinement and while i'm at it since i'm already going there i'm gonna pull the fire alarm i'm gonna spray the fire extinguisher i'm gonna light a fire in here i don't care it's a free-for-all some people have that mentality they don't care about those consequences right and you can see it and like you can it's easy to spot the difference between the two like I went to solitary one day to work and I had to try to meet with a patient and I remember leaving him and emailing people and being like something's not right Mm -hmm. like I don't know if he was like this before he got here but something's not right and I remember watching him and trying to talk to him and then one of the other patients in the box called me over and they were like miss like he was never like this I know him in the community I've known him here like he was never like this and so like that's a red flag right so that's something that raises a red flag to me and says okay not sure if it's solitary not sure if solitary triggered something that's always been there but this isn't working someone please go check on him I think it's really important that you shared that because it gives the perspective that solitary confinement is not ideal. However, you still have people going in and working in there that will take notice of changes in behavior and will alert the necessary people of those changes of behavior so that the person who you know, is depressed is, or whatever, showing whatever behaviors that they don't normally show, um, can be seen by the proper, um, you know, the proper people, whether that be mental health or medical, um, it's not only what I think a lot of people think it is where it's just like a bunch of guys just stuck in cells and, just going crazy in their cells um, and no one's really speaking to them or caring about them or paying attention to them. Oh, 100%. I I can't speak obviously for DC, but I can speak for Rikers in the sense that our punitive segregation specifically, especially for the people that have a mental health diagnosis, they have their own clinical supervisor. They have their own treatment team. And so they get like art therapy they get music therapy 
they get their own discharge planner. They get their own clinic. They get services daily as long as it's safe. And I say that because just because a patient is in solitary confinement does not mean that they cannot light a fire and almost burn down a whole housing unit. I definitely got you covered on the DC shenanigans (laughs) because how many times I've lost count how many times I've said this. DC's jail, the way DOC is run in DC makes Rikers look like they really know what they're doing and they're doing it properly because in DC, there's a lot of advocacy for people to stop using solitary confinement in the jails. Solitary confinement in DC jail is a whole bunch of nonsense because like we just talked about um solitary confinement does fail to reduce violence in the jails and prisons because you will just always have those people that aren't phased by that particular consequence right um in dc not only does it fail to reduce violence in the facility as a whole, it fails to reduce violence in solitary confinement. And I know, I know, the D.C. administration, the director, deputy directors will all say, we don't have solitary confinement. North one, the shoe, the hole. You know what I'm talking about. Just because you don't call it solitary confinement doesn't mean it's not solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. However, there's still a bunch of violence going on in there because they have a very large unit with about 100 cells that could be all filled at any given time. Wait, you so, had cells? Huh? You guys had 100 cells? In one unit, yeah. Sorry. And outside of the solitary unit, I I don't know for sure about the solitary unit because I didn't spend much time in there. Um, But outside of that, the cells um, were for two people. So you could have well over 100 people in the unit. But we could talk about effective structures of jails later on getting back to solitary confinement in dc um those guys are out all together running around still assaulting each other still assaulting other people a co-worker of mine um was assigned to that unit and one of the inmates who was in there assaulted him so people are still being violent in solitary because dc doc barely has a handle on anything but especially not on their consequences and what 
is supposed to be defined as solitary confinement, although they call it other things so that they could try to say that they don't have solitary confinement. That is hysterical because only because people just continuously poop on Rikers Island and Department of Corrections. And I'm not saying we're perfect. Obviously, we're not. But wow, they make us look great. That's only the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Really. So, as we know, people talk a lot about the effects that solitary confinement can have on the people who are exposed to it. Um, There was an experiment done in 2017 that found that hallucinations were observed to begin after 72 hours of being in solitary. Um, PBS talked about a study that found that after two days, people in solitary confinement displayed physical signs of hopelessness um, by, you know, just kind of in their body language, you know, sitting hunched over in a corner, staring at the floor. Um, People in solitary reported experiencing psychosis, panic attacks, depression, self-mutilation, suicidal ideation, paranoia, diminished impulse control, hypersensitivity, difficulties thinking, concentrating, and with memory. 100%. I will agree with all of those. I mean, definitely when solitary confinement is used in the way that it's meant to, um disregard dc because i don't (laughs) know what they're doing but um when it is that structure of being in your cell alone for a certain amount of time during the day um it, it honestly jail in general is disorienting 100% working on rikers And even working in the D.C. jail, you know, you're in this building all day. You don't have your phone. You're not really in touch with the outside world. Um, Working in those facilities was even disorienting for me as someone who was working there. But I I always think of that um, that episode of Law and Order SVU. Oh, are you talking about when Elliot's locked up in solitary volunteer? Yeah, he goes to solitary and he comes out and he's like, I told you, I forgot the amount of time that he was supposed to stay in there. And he couldn't do it. Yeah, and he came out, he was like, I told you to let me out after X amount of days. And the guy was like, you've only been in there for like two days or something like that. And he was already having like psychotic symptoms just in the one or two days that he was in there yeah yeah listen the jail itself is so disorienting it's not even funny i mean i actually know someone who he wasn't in solitary confinement he was more in like a protective custody type of thing but it still had the structure of a solitary confinement yes i would like to point that out that sometimes salt protective custody and solitary confinement function exactly the same way right so 
he was in protective custody and um he said that there was a guy who was also in protective custody a couple doors down and this is at a time when solitary confinement was functioning as 23 hours in your cell one hour of recreation by yourself yes and he was like there was this guy a couple cells down and he was so funny like he would say the funniest stuff and that's something that i've found working in jail too mostly in Rikers because I don't know if it's like a cultural New York thing or whatever maybe I just don't get the people here in DC and I just relate to the humor in New York a little better but I just always find that a lot of the patients and the people incarcerated are super funny and it's like that's probably one of the only things that they have left to keep them going whether they're in solitary or whether they're just in jail in a normal unit like using that humor and being able to make other people laugh and being able to entertain themselves that's probably like the last thing keeping them holding on a lot of the time oh 100 percent, 100 percent. You know, it's not, it's not always the end of the world there. Um, I've had patients, I had a patient that one time spent most of his time in state prison in solitary, and it ruined him upon his release. Don't get me wrong. But I've also had patients that have gone there and they like the seclusion or it's helps them kind of refocus and it's just, it's chaos all the time. No one is the same. That's the issue. Yeah. And in no way do I encourage the use of solitary confinement. If there is some alternatives that will be more effective, I'm all for it, but we can't, just diminish what we have when we don't have something to go on to once we get rid of solitary confinement. Um, but I also think that, like I said before, consequences cannot be cookie cutter. Everyone responds to things differently. I might not care about going into solitary confinement but I'm going to care if you tell me that I can't order commissary for the next six months. Oh, a thousand percent. That, and that's the thing. Like, we have to... Jails are jails, and they've been this way for years. But the same way no reentry agency should be cookie cutter, no consequence system should be cookie cutter mm-hmm. because everything hits someone differently. So like what might bother me and in the real world is the same. Like what might trigger me might not trigger you. And mm-hmm. we've experienced that as just friends. Right. Like in our years together, like what triggers me might not trigger you. And it's the same with guys on the inside. At the end of the day, they're still humans. Exactly. They are humans and we do see them as humans. 
but I think that there needs to stop being restrictions on how consequences can be given out to people because I think that if we have more options of how we can administer consequences to people, there would probably be a decline in the use of solitary confinement because it might really deter someone from acting in a certain way if they know that if I act like this, I'm not going to be able to call my family for a week. It would make a massive, massive difference. So there should be a list, just like, like I said, when, when parents have kids and they're raising teenagers and even just as adults, we have consequences at work and just in society alone. Um, there's vast numbers of consequences that we can see. So if we have that and that's okay for us in the, in normal society we need to give these jails and these prisons the opportunity to have a lot of different consequences that they can use for people because different consequences are going to hit different people differently right and that has to be something like that's built up and thought about and I've had this conversation actually ironically with my old supervisor from like my internship so I've been on Rikers since I was in grad school and he was like imagine what we could do if like we had a guy say that was going to state prison and we could offer him some of the programming that he can start down here like imagine what that could do that could reduce the consequences that we'd even have to put in place. And there's so many options without completely eliminating something, but we can't eliminate something until we put something else in place. It just becomes dangerous for legitimately everyone involved. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we'll continue this conversation by discussing advocacy efforts and alternative methods of consequences that have been proposed. That's it for us today. Follow us on Instagram at Jailbird Chronicles. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. Join us next week on Jailbird Chronicles. Lights out, Jailbirds.